in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. So, real quick on the Raiders, they traded away Nick Mullins to the Vikings this morning, their third-string quarterback. They're getting a conditional seventh. Ian Rappaport reported that the condition is that he's active for one single game. Doesn't even have to play in it, just be active. Um, As a result, it looks like the Raiders are signing Tay Davis, a linebacker that the Texans released. They're legitimately never going to sign an offensive lineman. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say Tay Davis, an (laughs) offensive tackle from uh, the Dolphins. They are legitimately not going to do this. They're not going to do it, are they? They're going to do it. (laughs) They're going to do it. They have to do it. There's just no watching the reading about the game tonight. I was at the Aces, but they have to do it. They 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 cannot not sign somebody. How much will they get exposed in the two joint practices? Is that what's going to lead to it? They're going to make a trade in the middle of one of the practices for yes. a Patriots lineman. They can take. Can we like have you. that guy? <laughs> get, you blocked Max Crosby yes, once. Exactly. Get over here. Here's a jersey. <laughs> Great question. The Yankees beat the Blue Jays on Sunday to avoid a four-game sweep at the hands of Toronto. Uh, Had Toronto won yesterday, the Yankees' lead in the division would have been cut down to six. What happened to them? Um, They've now lost. The Yankees have now lost or won four of their last 18 games. Stanton's on the IL. Um, Pitching hasn't been good. But that, that is a major collapse, though. So... They're still eight games up in the division. It's still a healthy Which tells you how big their lead. lead was. Right. That's how good they were to start the year. Because right. Toronto's still, it's not like they're in the worst division in baseball. Like, Toronto's no. a good second place team or whatever. They're still eight games up, which is a healthy lead, obviously. Um, but I think the main question is, like, should we still consider them one of the top tier teams in baseball? Right? Like, it's, it's you know, they were the top of all teams in baseball for a long time. But like Dodgers, Astros, Mets. Maybe the Braves are in that tier. But Dodgers, Astros, Mets, and the Yankees. Those have sort of been the big four for a while now. But the Yankees have been so... I mean, we're not talking about, oh, they're, you know, they've been 500 for the last three weeks or something. No, they've lost 14 of 18. Right, they've been awful. And they've been bad since even before the trade deadline and before the All-Star break. They started to slow down a lot then. And it becomes like a legitimate question. Yes, their record suggests they're still one of the four best teams because they're still number two in the American League, eight game lead in the AL West or AL East. But like, are they truly one of the top tier teams in baseball? Or is this a team that's going to end the year this poorly and then go into the postseason and lose their first playoff series, regardless of how good their record is? I mean, you, I don't know about losing their first playoff series, but they, they're not in the same realm as the Astros, yeah. and they're not near the Astros right I, now. I think Astros, Dodgers, Mets, and then maybe and are the top Braves. three. Braves are the fourth best team right now. And I don't know if we should consider the Yankees a part of that group or if they're somewhere else with, like, the Blue Jays and the Mariners and the Padres and the Phillies or something like that. Did I read it correctly that the 18-game lead is a bigger lead than the rest of the league, leads combined? The Dodgers? Yeah. Uh, the Astros lead by 11. So Okay, so it's impossible. That can't be. I, Maybe I the, the rest of the National League for sure. Maybe that's it. Okay, but, all right. Yeah, the Astros have a double-digit lead. Okay, the Yankees are up that by can't eight. Be. So. That can't be. Uh, and and, and I, I understand the question. Tom Brady is expected to return to the Buccaneers today. 
Um, he's been gone for what is it? Two weeks, ten days, something like that. Too uh, long. Uh, he wasn't on the Mass Singer. I don't think he was, and I don't want to. When you say personal <laughs> reasons, uh, I kind of hate to take the assumption that it was something as silly as that because it could have been something serious. Right. It could have been a so, family member is very sick or yes, died or whatever. There's something happened that we don't know about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say no mass singer. So if for anybody that missed it, there was uh, Kendall Valenzuela who works for Fantasy Life just sent out a video being like, "Here's my theory." Because she was like, the timeline matches up well. And he signed that deal with Fox. With Fox. And then unretired. So the deal got pushed back. The mass Singer's on Fox. So she was like, I think he went on the mass Singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I... I don't think it's legitimate either. But how great would it be if whenever the well, hell the next season the mass Singer is, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. God, that'd be amazing. Like just the middle of the football season, we find out, oh, Brady skipped a couple weeks of the preseason because he was on the mass Singer. And... Yeah, I mean, he can't hide the fact because the show's going to come out. So when he comes right, back exactly. and they ask him, you would we would know eventually. He's that's why I don't think it's yes. that because he would ha- he'd have to know that that's he'd have to admit that he yes. did that. Yeah, and if you're going to be on that, you would film it in May or whatever. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be like, oh yeah, middle of August works perfect. With no, my I don't schedule. think it, I think it was personal reasons. Yeah, it's probably something much more something serious. more serious. Uh. I don't know. We'll see. Lights FC beat Sacramento Republic 2-1 on Saturday. They gave up the first goal but came from behind to win. They are now sixth place in the West. They are three points behind Sacramento. They are seven points ahead of ninth place Oakland with eight games left in the season. And Lights, a, a very basic breakdown of their schedule. Eight games left. Three are against really good teams. Three are against really bad teams. And two are against teams that are kind of in the same tier as Lights FC. Ed, August 22nd with eight Red games left take. in the season. I'm here Damn. to tell you, for the first time in franchise history, they make the playoffs. Lights FC are going to the yeah. playoffs. They're going. They, if they blow it now, worst season they've ever had, despite being the best season they've ever Is this thing just had. seeded one through eight? Uh, yes. They changed the format, so I'd have to double check, but I'm almost positive it's just one through eight. It used to be 10 teams made it, so it's a little weird, but I'm pretty sure it's just one through eight in the east, one through eight in the west. You just seed it out and play yep. it out. And play, I think it's just one game, so single Right, just single limb. It could be two two game series, but I think it's just a one game, single elimination, and you advance. But I'm here to tell you, they're getting in, and they're currently the sixth seed. going to be very difficult to get the four seed and actually get a home game, but they're the sixth seed as of now, and they're going to the playoffs for the first time ever. They also lost their best player, Light, or LAFC signed him to an MLS contract, so might not be a good hey, that's what in happens. the future, but they still won. They still won. K-Long told me a couple days ago, I, you gotta get rid of this echo. <laughs> can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> Wait a minute. Brett Lashbrook, uh, our number one listener, yes. just texted me that yes. The format is number one gets a bye and two through seven play in the first round. Did I miss that? I might have missed that. That doesn't seem right. That sounds wrong. But I'll believe it. He owns a team in the league. Two through seven play in the first round. Yeah. So, yeah. The one would get a bye and then two through seven would give you the other three teams. That sounds crazy. Yeah. Two, seven, three, six, and four, five. <laughs> why, don't you just, why don't you just seed it out one through eight and just do a bracket? One, th- one eight, two, seven, three, six, four, five. Yeah. I, I found it out. I found the page. Top seven teams. All right. So maybe I need to take that back because they're only six. Okay. Whatever. They're still making the playoffs. They better not blow it. Top seven make the postseason, not top eight. 
Whatever oh, top seven? Format. Yeah. The eight doesn't go. One gets a bye, two Oh, they're seven. making the playoffs. Yeah. They better make Good it. Good for them. They better not blow it. Good for Brett Lashbrook. I'm happy for him. Will there be a playoff scarf? There has to be a playoff scarf. There right? has to be. With the playoffs on it, with the logo on it? Yeah. But by the way, Brett's texting me. We say, you guys say too many teams make the playoffs. I have never said that about the USL. The USL can have as many playoff teams as it likes. I do not care. Put them all in the playoffs. Then lights would have actually got to play. Be like in Indiana games. High School basketball. Everyone's in. Right. Just put them all in the playoffs. It's better that way. Lights would have actually made it. Maybe one team in each conference doesn't make the playoffs. That'd be better. You get a limit. One team gets eliminated after a 34 game <laughs> season. <laughs> I don't care about him. Next question. All right. Did you see this picture from Arash Markazi of the 120 yard video board at SoFi Stadium not working during the Chargers preseason game? How can something that expensive break down already? Yeah. What are we doing with new stadiums that don't work very well? It's, what is this? This thing's not that old of a stadium, and this thing's already broke. They I just, mean, did it's somebody just, like pull the plug on it? Yeah. Like there's one power strip that. It's a heck of a scoreboard, blew. by the way. I've been there. It's beautiful. It looks when it's nice. Working, yeah, I was going to say, it's but it's not working. No, when it's working. Otherwise, it's, it's just a big black screen, multiple of them. Right? It's terrible. Called Can the eighth wonder of the world. Well, the eighth wonder is not so wonderful because it's not it's not working. <laughs> we went to see the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> they forgot to plug it in. Can we just, like, you know, spend a bunch of money on stadiums and them actually work? Wouldn't that be nice for once? It'd be nice. I think it would be. Can we open those damn doors at Allegiant Stadium for a game? That's the point oh, of those. Oh, yeah. The, the uh, never open them. Lanai doors. Yeah, they'll open the them on, like, a doors. random Tuesday off yes. day when nothing's there. Open them for a game. It's the whole point, right? Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. Dennis Rodman oh, is, is trying beautiful. to help Brittany Griner. It's beautiful. Um, Rodman told NBC News, I got permission to go to Russia <laughs> to help that girl. I'm trying to go this week. What? Also, what if he goes, but he still doesn't know who it is? Right. Also, NBC added in their story, he is more likely to hurt than help, said a senior Biden administration <laughs> official. Yeah, that was my question is, got permission from who? Because right. part yeah. of me thinks Putin. Yes, exactly. So your good point, though, does he know who it is? Well, does, he says that girl, right. so does maybe he, know, he has no idea who it is. Does he know who he's going to help? No. Or he already got uh, Kim Jong-un in Korea, already invited him to North Korea, right? Yes. And now did Putin invite him over to Russia to help Brittany Griner? <laughs> Like, do other countries just see Dennis Rodman and they're like, hey. The diplomatic we'll, man. We'll invite that guy over and say, look how nice we're being to Americans. I mean, come on. If he, if he got her freed, it would be the greatest story. Oh, it'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. If, if he, he goes, over there. if he flies back to America with, with Brittany Griner. Oh, oh, my God. It's one of the greatest Americans ever. <laughs> we we do not send our best over to Russia. <laughs> we, we, Dennis Korea. Rodman. And Steven Seagal. <laughs> Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Saints punter Blake Gillikin was selected for random drug testing the day after he had an 81-yard oh. punt. There is okay. It's like our favorite punter from Buffalo. This is a funny story, but there's no way the NFL's like drug testing team was watching preseason games. Saw a guy punt 81 yards and said, we got to test that guy. No, right? was, that was a that, pretty long punt there. There's, there's no way that's how they operate. There's no way they were like, oh, this guy just boomed a punt 81 yards. All right. Get him to pee in a cup. Look at all these te- look at all these tweets insinuating it did. Punt at, punt at your own risk. <laughs> Last year, he had 83 <laughs> points, averaged 47.7. His longest was 63. 
Now that he goes 82, it's like, yeah, let's drug test him. No. I don't mean, believe this. I, I would random. like, let's hold on. Wait, no. Let's make this a thing that no one will punt because it's like, well, then what if we lose our punter? We can't punt. What if he punts too good? Then well, we'll lose him. Buffalo cut its other punter this morning, they so did. Matt Ariza is the punter there, and he's, gonna get drug he's getting drug tested about six times a season because he's going to bomb about eighty. Mid game. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well, and to be honest, to be honest, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Duncan Robinson doesn't like the Celtics away locker room. So Pat Connaughton, his teammate, said the Boston Celtics locker room is the worst visiting team locker room in the entire NBA. Duncan Robinson then said, if you walked in and you said this is a high school locker room, I would say that's a real, really bleepy high school locker room. Right. I've never seen it. I saw pictures of what people were saying were it, but I don't know if that was accurate or not. Uh... Can we just get new? Like, should you have? Should it be the home team's advantage that the away team has a crappy locker room, or should there be standardized? Your locker room has to be nice. Away locker room has to be nice. I mean, did you hear what they how they described the Dodgers video room? The opposing teams thinking there's rats down oh, there. Oh, that's stuff? right. Smelled like rat. Smelled urine. like rat urine and stuff. Yeah. So obviously, is this is not this is not new just to basketball. I don't know what my answer should be. I, part of me feels like you should be allowed to make the opponent's locker room as miserable as, bad as, as possible. You want. But also, part of me is like, eh, it's professional sports. Make right. it nice. Like it's fine. Just make it nice. They're going to be fine. I don't know which way I go because I kind of like the idea of sabotaging your opponent by having a terrible locker room. Well, they're not. After these comments, the Celtics aren't going to improve anything. <laughs> well, no, they will, except for when the Heat come. <laughs> when Duncan Robinson comes, they're ter- they're going to have they're a whole, the they're gonna have a locker separate room. locker room just for. They got to get on the MTA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're taking the train across town. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some fun Golden Knights stories. Tarasenko gets a shot on, and it's stopped by Thompson. Oh, my goodness. Great opportunity for Vladimir Tarasenko, who's got 34 goals and a team-best 82 points, all by his lonesome right side of the crease. Thompson, a big save to his left. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. All right, we've got one of the most important topics that this show covers to break down. Bruce Cassidy, your new coach, new head coach of the Golden Knights, threw out the first pitch at a Las Vegas Aviators game. Ed, how do you think he actually did? It was okay. Oh. High and inside, although the catcher who was like nine feet tall. <laughs> I don't know who that why, guy was. Why is the catcher so why tall? Why is the catcher so tall? Bruce um, Cassidy looks very, very short next to this I guy. Get these, the I get these uh, coaches credit. They're going from the mound. You have to go from the mound. You just get ripped he, if you did He didn't. did throw from the mound. He just throw from the mound. Uh, a little high and inside, even though the catcher came out and gave the strike sign. Sign, uh, Although, you watch the Major League Baseball games recently. And <laughs> it might be a strike. There's a strike right down the middle. Um <laughs> I'd say it was okay. I think Kruger's was better. I don't remember Lindy's. Uh, Lindy the Rocks was a strike. Okay. Well, Didn't then... bounce, was right over the plate. Okay. I mean, from granted, we're getting sort of odd camera angles for most of these, but was Lindy the Rocks far and away between Kruger, hers, and Bruce Cassidy's. She was the best? Far and away the best. None of them bounced it, which I think they all deserve credit yep. for that. I, when we taught, when we asked Kevin Kruger, he said his main goal was to not bounce it. Right. So none of them bounced it. Uh, they all got there in the air, but I think Lindy LaRocks was the only one that would have actually would have legitimately been considered 
a strike. A strike. Had it had there been, you know, a strike zone, an umpire, a batter, and everything everywhere. Cassidy and Kruger both would have been ball one or hit the batter and take okay. the base, depending on uh which box he was in. But yeah, uh, to me, Lindy the Rock, far and away the best. Obviously, that's why her team was the most successful last season. <laughs> it's obvious, right? They're probably gonna be the most successful again this season just because of that. No other reasonings. Now, here's a fun story here. So I love when I get to um take things that Ken Bulky of Senben went and listened to and published on his website, Senben.Vegas. I love when I get to take that. It makes my job much easier. These are quotes from One Drive Radio in Toronto about the Golden Knights. The first one here, direction-wise over the next couple years, what's going to happen with Vegas? They're going to expire. They just are. They've depleted their farm system. So... When you hear the word expire, I, I very much enjoy that word when talking about a team and their chances to win a title. When do you believe the Golden Knights' chances to win a Stanley Cup expire? Uh, about a year and a half ago. <laughs> when was the horizon? Well, I don't think Jared's don't, entirely wrong. I don't think they're going to win the Cup this season. I don't think they can. So expire, I mean, it's a year-to-year thing, um, but we've run up here with, since the uh, expansion season, they've been among the favorites every year, so people assumed or thought they were Stanley Cup contenders. I don't think they are anymore, so perhaps that's what expire means. Now, three years from now, who knows? They might win the Cup, and they haven't expired anymore, but for this, in the present, I don't think they can win the Cup next year. I would be stunned if in three years they're even a contender like I'd be stunned if we even have a conversation about them winning the division in three years because we've talked a lot about the age of this roster and how they're not old but they're not young and when you go through Stone being 30 Marshall 31 Riley Smith 31 William Carlson 29 Petrangelo's 32 Martinez is 35 McNabb is 31 right the main core of this team outside of Shea Theodore and Jack Eichel those are the two main exceptions are at their 30s, right? And in three years from now, we're going to be between 33 and 37, basically. I'd be stunned if three years from now, this team is a legitimate contender, which means this season and like next season are the two years that I think they have to get it done if they're going to win a Stanley Cup. Because I think the biggest point made on that radio show in Toronto is they've depleted their farm system, right? I mean, we, we know that. We're very much aware of that. This team is not going to suddenly have players coming up from the AHL have guys that they've drafted recently that are supplementing their old, their old players. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to have young players that produce at a high level. You look at Colorado, Colorado wins the Stanley cup with Kale McCarr at like, what is he 22 or something Mm -hmm. like that being one of, if not their best player, right? They, that guy got called up his first game ever was in the postseason a couple years ago, but that's like, that's what Colorado needed to push some of their Push their team over the top was a Kale McCarr type player. The Golden Knights aren't going to have that in a couple of years, so it's got to be this year. And do you I believe they are. I do not think they are. I think th- so. I think there is a path, but I think it's a very small path, and it has to do with Logan Thompson. If Logan Thompson is really good, this team can win the Stanley Cup. If Logan Thompson is awesome, the team that they've got enough talent that if they have a top five goalie in the league. They can win the Stanley Cup. It's just... Those are long odds. Right. The chances of Logan Thompson being a top, top five, five goalie, goalie is very, very small. slim. And then the other part of that, by the way, is they need to stay relatively healthy. Right. Because Which they're again, so... Long odds. Right. Because they're so top heavy. If they lose two forwards to injuries this year, what? I mean, 
we talked about it. William Carrier is a first line left winger all of a sudden. So the two things like, do they stay? I mean, obviously you're going to lose guys to injuries, but do they, you know, not lose anybody important for the entire season. Right. And is Logan Thompson, like really good. If those two things happen, they absolutely can win the Stanley cup this year. There is a path to it. I just don't think that those two things happen together and they actually pull off winning a Stanley cup. Bill Foley sues the league and gets the salary cap abolished. I there, uh, yeah, they could win the cup. There you go. Because he would he would spend more than oh all, yeah. If it meant winning the, the cup, most, but I mean, I mean, he'd be at the top. He'd five. be near the top level yeah. for sure. If, if, if it was baseball, no cap. Yeah, if it was baseball, the Golden Knights would yeah. be number one in payroll. Wait, you mean the sport where we have had the most different winners over the last like fifteen years that doesn't have yeah. a salary cap? Um. Bill, I've said this before. Bill Foley should have bought a baseball team. Oh, where he could just spend whatever he wanted. He could spend like the Dodgers if he wanted. Like this whole cap management stuff. Like he'd have luxury tax management, I guess. Well, the way you manage that is you just pay the luxury tax. Like he should have bought a baseball team. The whole, like his whole thing is like, I want to spend money to win a Stanley Cup. Right. Should have done that to win the World Series. Can, if he goes and buys the A's right now, A, I'll say, yes, they're moving to Vegas. And B, they're winning the World Series in five years. <laughs> like, he's just buying every player. They're winning the ready. World Series in five years. It's going to have Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani are going to be on that team. <laughs> right? Hell, we'll probably get Juan Soto. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Well, uh, Vegas will have every, I mean, they'll all be old at some point, but he'll just go buy new ones. Like, it's the great thing about baseball. Nobody actually does it because the luxury tax is pretty significant. And these owners are like, good God, I got to pay how much money? Yeah, but if you win the World Series, you make a lot of it back. But Bill Foley, everything we know about Bill Foley is he's like, I want to win the Stanley Cup right now. If he just had a baseball team, he could, you could kind of just buy a World Series. I mean, obviously the Angels are the big example of no, you can't, but you can buy yourself into contention and just keep buying more and more until you win it in hockey. You got this damn salary cap to deal with, and it doesn't go up. Has it gone up in yeah. like three since fully entered the league? Salary cap's gone up like a whole million dollars. Looking around, saying, "When the hell is this going to go up?" Uh, can we? Is it time to get to the drunk sailors? Yeah, you want the yeah. drunk sailors? This is, quote? this is hilarious. So the other quote here from this One Drive Radio in Toronto: "I credit them for what they accomplished that first season. Ever since that success, they've been drunken sailors." They're in video game GM mode. Trade this guy. Sign that guy. Don't need that guy. Dump that guy. Trade this pick. Trade that prospect. It's karma in a way. You've been too reckless. I don't believe that it's karma because it's sports, right? Like, I don't believe in that. No. But I do kind of like the idea that I kind of love the idea that they're drunk sailors. And I think he makes a lot of good points before he gets to the karma point. That's what they've done. Yes. Sign this guy, dump that guy, trade the pick, trade the prospect. That That's essentially what they've done. That's who they've been. Is it fair of me to say Bill Foley's the drunken sailor? Because he's allowing this? Right. Well, he, I, I feel like he, we still don't know the exact answer to this. But why for three straight years did they always go after the biggest free agent, the biggest trade chip? Like they always did. Whatever the shiny high po- uh, high price player was, so that was they a, went and got him. That was a charge from Bill Foley to so, his guys. Right. That's my thing is like how much did Bill Foley say, I want Stone, I want Petrangelo, I want Pacioretty, I want Eichel. Versus how much did he just simply okay it, right? Did McPhee and McCrimmon say, hey, 
we're going to go get this guy. Are you okay with that? And Foley would say, yeah, of course. Or how much did Foley say, we didn't win the cup. Go get me something. I don't know. I want McCree and McCrimmon to be the drunk sailors. Yeah, I kind of do too. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, Foley's also the one that's like, you know what we need before the game plays? Uh, me on a helicopter riding in to save the day. <laughs> Right. I mean, he did. That's what he did. So part of me is like, yeah, you might be the drunken sailor. That's like, I bought a hockey team. This is fun. Go get me the best players. What? We need to have 20 of these guys every game. Oh, that's a little unfortunate. I think there's also an element of how he made his money was, well, I'll be in charge, but I'm going to hire really smart people to make sure we're not spending just obscene amounts of my money. And it's just like... But that was I, real business. This is his toy. This is his I, I know, team. but I just enjoy... I would enjoy the fact that it was just two guys going like, we've got so much money to spend. All right, coming up next, Vic Tafer joins the show. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Joining us now from The Athletic is Vic Tafer. All right, Vic, uh, there's been, there was enough reporting at the time and Rob Gronkowski being there that there's some truth. There has to be some truth to what Dana White is saying, but I don't know how much. Uh, what do you make of him when he says it was almost a done deal and John Gruden blew it up? I definitely agree there is some truth to it. I think he exaggerates a little bit. I think Grok is probably a little excitable. So I think uh, <laughs> the, plat- the platform for that show, I'm sure, was uh, helping them kind of promote something. But, um, yeah, I definitely think um, they were in on uh, on Tom Brady for sure. He did the re- Even late, like uh, up to like the very end, almost a week before, I think he, uh, he agreed to go to the Bucks. But I think at the end, um, John did get cold feet. I think the uh, – the price tag, you know, even though it seems like a bargain for $25 million for Tom Brady, was a lot considering he wasn't coming off a great year. The previous year, he definitely had struggled. There were some question marks about if he was on the downward side, if you know, his age was finally showing. So I think there were enough doubts for them. And, you know, and obviously Derek Carr's a known commodity. He actually had gotten better under John. I think they were getting the... I think when John came in, he was a little... You know, uh, skeptical is the wrong word, but you know, not sure how it's going to work out with Derek. But I think... Um, Definitely uh, connected. I think, and definitely, he he has some faith in Derek uh, every year. Kind of built up. So, I think that plus the price tag plus Tom's age, I uh, was enough for John to say, "Nah, I don't want to do that." Was a big part of that Gruden. I don't want to say. Well, I'll say maybe his ego and Mayock's ego. That um, if it wasn't the price tag, that they felt that Derek was their guy, and they were going to make Derek into something special. Because Gruden certainly seemed to have loyalty to him. Um, and that they were going to take Derek Carr to a different level. And like you said, Tom was 43 at the time. If you saw that Tennessee game, he was not, you know, who he had been in previous years. So was it, or did it have more to do with Gruden saying, I'm going to take this guy to a top level because I can do that? I think it was a little both. I think definitely, I think when John came in, I mean, Derek Carr obviously you know, definitely has the talent and, and, and the brains to be a top guy. I think there were some question marks going in. But I think that John saw the work ethic, and Derek definitely loves to you know, come in early, leave late. And he's definitely a guy who wants to please his coaches at every turn and will do whatever they say exactly how they want it, which is if you're a quarterback coach, a guy who's offensive, you know, genius or guru, whatever the word is, that's what you want. You want a guy who's going to like have talent and do what you want. Like he'll definitely do the, you know, the reads and the, and the progressions like you want them and, and kind of think like you. And that, definitely they were more in sync uh, every year they were together. Would you believe that John Gruden said no to Tom Brady because he was afraid Tom Brady would get all the credit if they were good? I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, Gruden's a fascinating character. I can't begin to like explain how he thinks. I mean, he's all over the map. 
<laughs> that may have been part of it. Ego is always a, a, a part of these things. At, at, at the end, though, I just think there was enough doubt about uh, if he had had a great year the year before, then I think he'd be a Raider. But there was enough um, questionable film that, that previous year. We're like, man, is this guy really, is he still Tom Brady? Or is he kind of like, you know, eh, not really Tom Brady. So $25 million is enough to kind of really, you know, make you do some restructuring and, and some uh, revamping your roster and make it work. So that's a lot if a guy, if you're not totally sold, he's the guy with the six rings, they're going to get another one, uh, have a chance to win another ring. So to me, that was probably the bigger deal was the, the questionable you know, year the previous year rather than your know, question. Vic, are they going to sign an offensive lineman? It's just every day they're signing linebackers, they're signing defensive linemen. Um, do you do you believe it's do you believe this is the offensive line, or there'll be someone coming? No, I think um, you know my partner in crime with this, like Deshaun Reed, wrote last week that they don't like um, the, the tackles on the market, and that's that's fair. They've done the research, they've put some guys out there with some experience, but if you don't like a guy, then you're not going to bring him in. So I think in their their mind. They're giving these young guys as much rope as they can, and I think at the end, uh, like you said, I think the, the starting right tackle is on another roster right now. Whether they get it by trade or a veteran guy gets waived, you know, when they cut down the rosters, but in my mind, uh, their starting right tackle is not on, on this roster. So does that mean the starting right tackle joins the team after all the preseason games are done? Yeah, or if you, if you make a trade, next, you know, teams kind of know where they're going now with the rosters. If, if guys are going to make it, if guys are kind of losing their jobs, you can trade for a guy, I would think, at this point, uh, pretty cheaply, or you wait for a veteran guy to come on waivers. But yeah, ideally, I mean, right tackle, I mean, it's, and it's still an important job. It's not left tackle. It seems like you, you can have guys or veterans come in and, and adjust and adapt and, and do their jobs, especially if they have the, the track record a lot easier on the right side than the left side. So I think definitely, um, plus, uh, there hasn't really been any progression with Leatherwood and other guys. You haven't seen a you know an upward slant as to why it would give Leatherwood a chance to start. Right now, I think it's dangerous to put, you know, put a right tackle for your quarterback. So I think at that point, you know your bar gets a little lower, and you kind of are able to like accept less of what you can get uh, moving in at that spot. What have you been most surprised with three and Three and most surprised. Um, I don't know about any surprises. I know everyone talks about the penalties. Like, it's a great thing how you know, he's, a, you know, he's a strict guy and they're definitely understanding the fundamentals and they're focusing more. But it's hard for me to draw conclusions on preseason games where you're going against second-team guys. But I get it. It's definitely it's a nice thing to, to, to have. I think um, I like the tempo on offense. I like the, they, they look to know what they're doing. They're kind of forcing their, you know, their agenda on teams, which I like going forward. You haven't seen a lot of playbooks, but you definitely see the tempo they want to set. I think it's a nice touch, but um, that's about it. I won't have any huge surprises. I guess um, I think Kyron Johnson, I definitely see why. I think he'll make the roster. That speed he hasn't really connected any big plays, but the threat's there, and definitely the speed he has, other guys don't have on, on this roster. How much should we read into Kenyon Drake playing last weekend and Amir Abdullah not? Yeah, I think it's a big deal. I think if you're Kenyon Drake and you're a seven-year vet, who's you know, definitely proving yourself and coming off uh, ankle surgery, playing every preseason game is not a good sign. To me, that's definitely alarms go off like, okay, I'm not only am I playing for a spot in this roster, but they probably want to trade me, which I think, especially with Abdullah not even playing, not even coming, he was in Vegas for that game. So to me, he clearly has a third down job one already. So if you came in Drake, I think you're definitely looking at trying to prove to our team that he has some juice left and ideally getting acquired in the next couple of weeks. 
Would Kenyon Drake be the biggest name you think could be moved? I mean, in terms of guys fighting for spots or people thinking that they're on the team no matter what, but they really might not be? Yeah, I think he's the biggest name. I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure what Cleveland Farrell's injury status is, but he's a guy I also thought was in the bubble. I'm not sure if he's back this week or what his deal is. But he's a guy with a big name. I think um, I wouldn't uh, write his name on the roster in ink. But um, those are the two that jump out of me as far as, as big names. Darren Waller uh, was hurt, came back for one practice, and then was absent from the last practice before the preseason game. Does that second absence mean much, or do you think that's sort of an injury management type of situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's not a huge deal, but it's hard to say because no one's really talking about it. But I think it's more management. I think uh, I'd heard, um, first got heard it wasn't serious. And I believe that. I think whether it's uh, being, you know, using extra precaution. And plus, with his, his contract status, I mean, he's not guaranteed any money at this point. So for him, he has to look out for himself a little bit. He can't just totally be out there, you know, kill himself every day with no guarantee. So whether or not to get a new deal done, the next couple of weeks, or I think the very least, they'll, they'll definitely guarantee his deal this year. As I would think for him, that's only fair. So until that happens, I definitely can see why he and the team would be like a little, a little cautious and not really. Um, there's no reason to uh, put him out there and risk injury at this point. There's a lot of props around town that most people are going under on with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and the like because they think there's just too many weapons this year. I mean, could you see a situation where they're really good, but the numbers of people aren't? aren't what people think they will be because it'll be spread around too much? I don't think so. I think um, I think with Adams, I think you know, we look at Derek Carr's history. When, when he has a guy who's totally uh, comfortable in and confident and knows you know, all, you know where he wants the ball and the routes and adjustments, I think he feeds those guys. Like Michael Crabtree and Aguilar at one point when he was here. I just think those guys who have third downs, red zones, he definitely looks for those guys because he has confidence. Don't make plays, even if they are covered. If there is coverage, you can put a ball in a certain spot, only that guy can make the catch. So I think Adam's numbers are going to be fine. And Renfro, the same thing. Renfro, I think you look at New England when they brought in Moss, the slot guys' numbers all went up. So I think, um, and I know it's a lot of numbers, but I think both guys are going to be fine. I think they'll have enough um, passing yards. Those guys both will both eat pretty well. Which Raider is most likely to start a fight during joint practices with the Patriots? Oh, it's the same guy I was last year. Uh, my guy Roderick Teamer. Uh, those guys, the ones against the Rams, we went to watch him in, in LA last year, and uh, he's a lightning rod. He definitely he is constantly in motion, constantly chirping, constantly. That's good. I mean, that's what you want. You want some aggression. You want guys, you know, to kind of carry that that shield for your team and kind of like say, hey, this is we're we're badasses and you can't touch us. And that definitely is what the energy he brings. So I have no doubt he'll be uh, he'll be fired up next couple of days and definitely pushing the, the envelope as far as you can. It's If it spills off the field like they did with Carolina, which media member will stand up and take somebody on? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, all, they're all chickens. They're all run, all run for the shade and, and, and power. But, uh, and, well, they should. You shouldn't. Those guys are wearing helmets. But they may not know why you would take a stand. But, yeah, no, no one in our, in our crew is brave enough to, no. to take a step forward. Everyone, everyone will be retreating and, like, you know, yes. covering their heads. Well, he is Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Vic, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Vic. Safe travels. Okay. Take care. Take care. Uh, you got anybody in mind as to who would try to fight? I mean, we always go to the standard Sam Gordon. Ah, yeah. We always go to the standard. Uh, but Sammy's, uh, uh, I think he could hold his own, but I think he's also kind of a, he's just a nice guy. Minnesota, yeah. He's a he Minnesota is. kid. He's like, you know, 
you got to really do something to make Sam mad, right? Like, yeah, you have to really do something. Like the kids from Minnesota that we have at the paper, Sam and Ben. Yeah, why do you guys have so many? By the way, uh, they're talented. <laughs> Taken over. They're really talented. But well, um, there was a while there where it's like every right, every sports writer in America went to the University of Missouri, like Missouri, yeah. and it made no sense. So now there's this new wave that's coming Minnesota. out of Minnesota. They're very talented, and it takes. I mean, you talk about Sam. Tell me what it takes to get Ben Goats mad. Oh, I mean, come that guy on. can't be mad, right? No, Never. he can't be mad at all. Review <laughs> journalist. He's talented, uh, non non uh, fighting uh, reporter. First rule of the Review Journal Fight Club no fight club. <laughs> all right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some Major League Baseball because Dustin May is back. Back to the press box, summer edition. Hey, this Joey Gallo guy any good? I mean, maybe he found the light, man. Maybe, maybe the Dodgers are. Uh, it's all he needed. He needed to get. He had a good defensive play. Oh, he threw that guy out of plate, man. He's. They have two outfielders who can't hit at all, but are incredible defense players. So you have to make the choice each day. Do you play Gallo and Bellinger because they're both Gold Glove winners, or try to find someone who can do both and are not someone as good defensively? Hit? Well, listen, Joey Gallo, since joining the Dodgers, has an OPS plus of 179. Uh, 100 is average in OPS plus. 179, I believe, would be, if that was over the full season, would be the best hitter on the Dodgers. Uh, yes, it would be. Uh, currently, Freddie Freeman at 153 is the best Dodger hitter this year. So Joey Gallo, since joining, is better than Freddie Freeman has been the entire year. It's probably not going to keep up, but given that he was atrocious for the Yankees... Uh, you guys fixed him. Yeah. Or or people in L.A. not yelling at him every time he leaves the house yes. fixed him. People yeah. in L.A. going, I don't know who you are. You exactly. need a reservation. Exactly. Just for reference, his OPS plus for the Yankees this year was 78. So he's, 78? And he's at 179 with the Dodgers. So he's 100% uh, better than he was with the Yankees as he is right now. How are you feeling about Dustin May? You've been talking a lot I about mean, the postseason rotation, not being confident. Dustin May comes back five innings, one hit, no runs against the Marlins. Good to go. I think your point there was against the Marlins. Okay. I mean, it's, hey, it's sometimes, still somebody. I mean, you know. Sometimes the Marlins do the job. They make the playoffs. They win the world series. <laughs> that is true. We have uh, empirical evidence that if the Marlins make the playoffs, they win the world series. I loved how he pitched, man. Seven strikeouts. I loved how he pitched, but uh, it was the Marlins. You know I'm going to be a little uh, shaky here. Oh, come on. Don't they still have the best starter ERA in baseball right now? Yes, they do. Yeah, you're fine. You're and their fine. bullpen are, is very good. Yeah, I think it's number three at the moment or something. Yeah. yeah. So what What would you go right now, postseason rotation? What would he go? No, what are you going? Uh, I'm going Urias. Gonsolin. I can't believe I'm saying this. I guess Anderson. I can't believe I'm saying that. How many do I have to give you? Four. Maybe uh, five for the NLCS, but four to start with. Then until I see otherwise, I'd go May. Okay. Because Kershaw's Cause not he, back. Yeah. Yeah. He's. he's you got plenty of games. options. You're good. You got plenty of options. You can and always Destiny has another day. month to keep working yeah, himself in. He'll be fine. As long as he doesn't get hurt again, he'll be right. fine. He threw 71 pitches this time. He'll be up right. to 90 something and his third start, fourth yeah. start, whatever it is. He'll be good to go. You're You're all good. How do you feel about Josh Hader, though? Because he's been awful for the uh, Padres. Great it's, trade. It is absolutely wonderful that they are now bullpen by committee. Did they? What happened here? Josh Bell has not been very good. No, he finally hit a home run yesterday. He finally did something <laughs> yesterday. He, but I think he was over twenty six before that. He hasn't he's been terrible. Good. 
Josh, so these were Josh Hader, his last three appearances before Bob Melvin said they're going to give him a break from the closer role. Last three appearances, he only got four outs, gave up four hits, walked he five walked. Yeah, he batters. Kept, he kept walking people. And gave up six earned runs. Like, that's awful. Yeah. That is designated for assignment. Awful from Josh Hader. Like, did they some did this team get worse at the trade deadline? Should they have kept that um, Eric Cosmer guy around? I mean, I, I think with Soto, you still make all those deals. Soto's been good. Soto's gotten on base a lot. He's been he's been really good. But Bell's been terrible and Hader's been terrible. So listen. I mean, you're looking at the guy with the big smile on his face. I mean, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's hilarious Hader's that bad and Bell's that bad. Oh man. All right. Breaking news, by the way, from Adam Schefter. The Panthers have officially named Baker Mayfield as their opening day oh, starting quarterback. What a shock. How did it take so long for them to name Baker Mayfield <laughs> over Sam Darnold? It is August 22nd. They've had him for like three weeks now. Also in Panthers quarterback news, their rookie, Matt Corral, had yes, a Liz thanks. Frank injury and Your his guy. season is likely over. Your so, guy from Mississippi. Yeah, so he'll be on. He'll be out for the entire season while they go with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Which, by the way, Matt Corral went from being drafted to a team and only having to beat out Sam Darnold, which he probably would have done eventually, right? Or Sam Darnold would have just played himself out of the position at some point to being hurt and Baker Mayfield being on the roster. Now, Mayfield's only got one year on his deal, but Matt Corral went from that guy might actually be a starting quarterback in the NFL as a rookie for his first season to injured. And even if he wasn't, Baker Mayfield was going to be ahead of him. It's a... Tough break. Yeah. For Matt. Curry. Oh, it stinks. Yeah. So the other day, it's horrible. Which, by the way, what are you doing if you're the Panthers? You got too many, like, not good quarterbacks on that roster. I mean, I think they go with the two they have now. I mean, yeah, but like, what what are you doing this offseason? Like, they kept, oh. they kept Sam Darnold around for some reason. A lot of good quarterbacks in the draft. They waited until the third round to draft a quarterback, and then. But they're not going to. I mean, are they going to draft another one? Depending on how bad this injury is, well, I'm no, sure and, he'll well, recover. That, well, no, and then they immediately went and got Baker Mayfield, which guarantees Mayfield's good enough. They're not winning three games this year. Right. Right? Like, the Panthers are not getting the first overall pick in the NFL draft. Now, will a quarterback fall to them at six or wherever they draft? Maybe. It might happen. Will they trade up? That could happen, too. But, like, they did, like, everything you're not supposed to do at the quarterback position. They kept Darnold around, who's bad. They drafted a guy in the third round with like no intention of playing him. And if you draft him in the third round, you probably don't think he's that good anyways. And then they went and traded for a quarterback that takes them from being potentially like, hey, you could be the worst team in the league to, hey, you're going to win six or seven games and draft in no man's land. Which is you're going to be um, mediocre, which is what you don't want to be. You want right. to be really good or really bad. And so like they did everything wrong this offseason. And the only thing that makes sense is Matt Rule is desperate to save his job because obviously if they won like three games this year, Matt Rule's he's fired. Fired. But like if you're the front office, if you're the owner, I don't. That's that's not my priority. Right. I want to win a Super Bowl, and I'm not doing it this year with Baker Mayfield. Maybe I could do it in three years from now because I drafted a great quarterback or something. Right? It just seems like they did everything to try to be as mediocre as possible, which is the worst possible thing to be in the NFL. I mean, I just I remember I remember reading a story about Tepper, the owner, basically coming in and going like, we're not going to run it the way we used to. And it was like, dude, we were like two years removed from the Super Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Things were pretty good. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The previous owner rubbing people's feet. That was an issue. But you coming in with like, 
We're gonna change everything. Oh God, we changed everything. <laughs> uh, by the way, the fun part of the Baker Mayfield news, which should have been news like three weeks ago when they traded for him, he is gonna start against the Browns in Week One. Oh, so Baker against Cleveland in Week One is uh, fun. I, I I enjoy that revenge part of the story. Do you think Matt Corral that they believed him enough that they'd actually draft another quarterback? Yes. Oh, they would draft another quarterback if they if they suck a lot this of good year. Quarterbacks. Yeah. If they win like seven games or right. less, Baker's probably not re-signing. Darnold's right. bad, and if they've got a chance to draft a good quarterback, they'll do it. Yeah.